Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's uh, not something uh, we can talk about right now. There's, there's no update on it. Um, and when there is, we'll let you know. Oh, they let us know. Oh, they definitely let us know. Yesterday, the update on Calvin Ridley. A Monday afternoon, bad news dump. Usually happens on Friday. Not sure why it didn't happen last Friday. Maybe they didn't want to drop a turd into the combine punch bowl. That really, probably. I, mean, I hadn't thought about that. I really That's- hadn't thought about that. That's probably the case. Yes, probably I think the so. case. Right? Maybe even part of the reason. Maybe part of the reason is do it on a Monday. Make sure it does catch news. Make sure it does set an example for the rest of the league. Maybe this is something the NFL. Yeah, they're not going to shy away from. This has got to be a firm no. Like yeah, this can't happen, and they're just realize they got to fight this one head on. And for those of you who wonder what we're talking about, Calvin Ridley of the Falcons has been suspended for at least a year for betting on games during the time that he was on the non-football illness list away from the team in Florida with his cell phone device, made some wagers, bet on the Falcons as part of a parlay, $1,500 he admits he bet, and he gave up the goods when the NFL found out about it. The NFL was alerted to it by a third-party vendor it's all electronic it's all available it's not like in the old days when you had a bookie and nobody knew anything about anyone and it was easier to avoid creating a clear electronic footprint of your activities so if nothing else what calvin ridley did was extremely stupid before yeah. we go any farther though, i would yeah. like to say hello to our audience peacock sirius xm 85 we weren't on. Hey, Sky that was stupid. But hello, yesterday. everybody. <laughs> but but let, well, let's just yeah. but let's put a pin in it because we yeah. just kind of came on abruptly. Yeah. I do want to say this. I do want to say this. I I love the fact that so many people watch the show on Sky. I love it. Oh, I hear from them all the time. Our fans in England, UK, Ireland, Scotland, name the towns. I don't know many, but you, they know who we mean. Very <laughs> very passionate. I hear from them all the time. It's great. But if we're not on unexpectedly and the listing show that we're going to be on it's like i personally asked for the show not to be on they come after me where were you today are you retired are you lazy it's like they didn't put the show on what am i supposed to do i know they don't consult with me on these programming decisions on any programming decisions so lay off me i'm starving i don't know why we weren't on maybe we aren't on today so you can't hear this i don't know they don't ask us but we love the fact that you're that passionate about it's it. Please awesome. direct that passion to someone other than me. Oh, it's awesome, though. It really is. No days off in London, Mike. They want to show every damn day, okay? And, and, and obviously they have 
way too high of an outlook on you or have put you on a pedestal. They, they think you have some control over Sky Sports programming. I don't know why. I mean, you're big time, but you're not that big time. You're not, you're not calling the shots at Sky Sports quite yet. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not Maybe Mike's fault. Maybe I need fault. to. <laughs> Maybe you need to is right. Maybe I need to. Hey, Sky, <laughs> start taking us live. It'd be noon. Give me a nice lunch hour or two. Oh, that would be nice good. Nice distraction. They're a little closer to the action than we are, so I can understand why they would need a distraction right now. But, hey, folks, I Seriously. hope we're on tonight. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. If we're not, I'm going to hear. Email Floria. All over again. Email Where are Floria. you? Yeah, that jerk that Floria. So much for being transparent and open and available. There is a downside to it. It gets old. <laughs> it gets old fast. All right. So, uh, anyway, um, one other observation, too. I really do need to just get up at 10 till 7. One thing I've learned is if I actually get up at 6 and do some work before it's time to get ready for the show, I'm always rushing to get here before the show because I think I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I got up at 6. I'm fine. I won't be late. How can I be late? I got up at 6. Whereas if I just roll out of bed at 10 till 7, I know I got to move. I got no wiggle room. When I have time, I sit there and wait too long. And then all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, the show's starting in 10 minutes. Anyway, that's a personal Well, problem, I mean, in I 10 minutes, you could get... I was really late today. You 10 minutes, you could get up, get dressed, comb that, that hair, and do all that in 10 minutes, or really about 8 minutes. If you got up at 6.50, you got to be in your seat about 6.58. You, you could do that? That would be enough for you? I have actually, because I like to work out in the afternoon before PFTPM, I actually have cut it close enough where I work out, shower at 10 minutes to air and still up here on time wow that that is that wow. is that it's is impressive. moving yes yeah, that is that moving. is yes so, uh anyway I thought your house was bigger than that i thought it would take a little longer to walk across it and stuff i didn't know you well that's part of the workout it's yeah. part of the workout it's getting from the gym to the <laughs> shower the getting from the shower up yeah. here Tough i'm problems. often still sweating <laughs> I'm often still sweating. Anyway, let's get back to uh, the, the, the big story. The stupid move Calvin Ridley Pete, made. Pete, Pete, yeah, we, where we last left this story, Calvin Ridley was doing something extremely stupid. And here's why it's stupid. Players are told I all mean, the time. Yes. You can't bet on football. Right. You can't. You just can't do it. And we can talk about whether to what extent we should be showing some sympathy, some compassion, some understanding. The guy had stuff going on in his life. Obviously, he wasn't with the team. And – to what, I look at it this way, because my son's 25. He may be older than Calvin Ridley. Whenever my son does something really dumb, and he doesn't do really dumb things very often anymore, but, but when your child does something dumb, there's usually an explanation for it that isn't necessarily dumb. It helps you understand the stupidity. And at the core, it still may be something very stupid, but usually there's more to the story. So... I, I, I just – I look at it this way. This guy's the fifth player in more than 100 years of NFL football. Only the fifth player to be suspended for gambling on football games. And it is a severe punishment. It's always been a one year. Now, they've only done it five times, and they've got much more flexibility than that, but it's always been one year. Alex Karras and Paul Horning in 1963. Arch Schleister in 1983. Josh Shaw – which I had forgotten about in 2019. He was yeah, on injured reserve with right. the Cardinals. Yep. One year for him. Forgot it's always that. one year. Yeah. But I, I, I just I look at this and I say, I, hopefully he appeals. And people say, well, why, why, why should he bother? He's already admitted to it. It's one thing to admit to it. It's another thing to say, does it really deserve a, a year? A full year? Right. Does it right. deserve a full year? Right. Because I want to see the evidence that there was something he was doing that in some way undermined the integrity of the game other than merely placing the bets. Right. Without any inside information. You know, is he calling teammates? Is he calling coaches? Is he trying to get information about what they're planning to do? And the mere fact that it was a parlay bet tells me that he was just screwing around. This isn't, oh, I have some very yeah, useful nugget. I have reason to believe. Yeah, so I'm going to put a bunch of money on that and try to make a big score. That's And, and, and I understand you can't have a blurry line. I'm just I, – I just I, – I hope – I hope that the commissioner ultimately takes a broader look at this, especially in light of the fact that the NFL is currently making tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars. $270 million, I think, was the figure in estimated gambling revenue for the NFL this past year. From sponsorships, seven different – gambling sponsorships for the nfl 
And, and I and look, I understand, and I've been through this on Twitter. There, there's a certain hypocrisy that's baked into it, but there are plenty of industries where you can't partake in the thing that that the the company does to make its money. I get it. I just hope that there'll be some nuance, some sympathy, and some compassion for Calvin Ridley in this case, because he did admit to it right away. Because there is no evidence that it was a broader issue or that he was undermining the integrity of the game with the use of inside information or actively on the field trying to engineer the outcome a certain way. He was on the non-football illness list. He was detached from the team. He, he, he got bored on a Sunday and he made some bets. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying let's not just have one year, one year, one year, one year without regard to the circumstances if someone ever does this. It's a pretty strong message. But, but but maybe there should be a little more flexibility. That That's all I'm saying. I, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, first off, hey, it was it's a dumb move, right? I mean, we know that with Calvin Ridley. Just to bring you back what players hear as far as, you know, gambling and how that goes, it's really one of the first videos you watch when you become an NFL football player and get drafted. You go to the rookie, rookie symposium. You know, they play a video about, hey, here's life in the NFL. The first thing they hit on is gambling and how it's prohibited in the NFL. So you know that. There's no way around not knowing that gambling is not allowed by NFL players or employees or anything of that nature. Then you get to training camp just a few weeks later after that rookie symposium, and you really see the same video again. There's going to be NFL officials that are going to be there to kind of uh, lay the land. Hey, here's some new rules in the NFL. There'll be some spokesperson there. And again, you're going to see another video that's going to tell you, it's just going to spend three to four minutes telling you, Gambling is prohibited, and you're not allowed to do that. So there's no way around it, let alone everybody in the locker room knows, and you just don't mess around with that. That's the, so that, to me, is the first thing where I just go, man, how could he do this? How could you, how could you do this, in the, in, and especially in this way, with an app downloaded, and it's, you know, it sounds like it was all through his name. It's not even a friend's name or anything like that. Um, so, but there's, there's the first mistake. Certainly you, you, there, there's no way around that in the NFL. Now, as far as that, now the, the rest, the punishment, Mike, I'm with you. I mean, uh, common sense here a little bit. We talked about common sense and officiating a lot through the NFL season. This is one where, you know, again, yeah, it's a star football player. We know that, uh, again, the integrity of the game is, is legit, and we all want it to be, you know, perfect in, in the way we, you know, as far as competitive and nobody cheating. But at the same time, to take a year away from a player, you know, for this, I get it. Yes, it's betting, but you could still make the same mark on the guy by suspending him eight games. Eight games is still everyone's going to go, whoa, wow, he's missing half a year. That would get the point across. For what? How much money was it? Fifteen hundred dollars. You know, again, no evidence of anything else. I understand. There's like a no, you know, you know. What do I want to say? No nonsense policy with this. But come on, here. Uh, to me, to, for for a guy like Calvin Ridley uh, to lose a full year, that doesn't seem right either. There's got to be, you know, some common ground here, and hopefully he does appeal it and can get some games knocked off of this. He did try to tweet his way through it, and hopefully. He would have had better advice than what he got when he tweeted his way through it. But again, I, I don't want to say that that dumb decisions justify this kind of punishment. And I'm hoping there will be some sympathy and compassion. But the NFL's position may be, look, it we seems can't, like we they can't don't afford care. to mess right. around with this because our hand is too close to the flame already. We're already risking an undermining of the competitive integrity, just the overall integrity of the sport at a big picture level. If you go back and look at the things Roger Goodell said about gambling when they were fighting hard to keep it out of the sport, you know, before the New Jersey lawsuit that ultimately resulted in the Supreme Court ruling that opened the floodgates for state-by-state -state legalization of sports wagering, there was a suit in Delaware where the NFL came out guns blazing against this thing. And some of the rhetoric about the evils of gambling, the mere legitimization of wagering on sports, the problems it can cause. And now you've got the NFL consciously getting into business with sports books. And I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying in situations like this, it makes things very murky. And maybe they feel compelled 
to have a zero-tolerance policy and to throw guys out of the league for a year if they get caught. It just seems seems, hypocritical. It really does. It it bothers me from that. It's not Pete Rose here. This is not somebody throwing games or or managing the game and, and dictating how it's played so he can win his bet. I mean, that's not how it is. I don't like that. And then, you know, you, you know, beaming back to the old days to your point, Mike, it, it's just like, you know, back in the, in the older days, really, until the last few years, I mean, you really had to make an effort to place bets and do things. Now it's so accessible. Uh, to me, that, that warrants a little more leeway in this, especially when you can, you know, dig through it a little bit and go, well, nothing crucial was done here. You know, the, there is a difference to me there, and that's where, I, you know, you know, hopefully they can – help this kid out a little bit and then not be that harsh. Sorry, man. I know you're about to say something. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're fine. I, I, there's so many different ways we can look at this. And one thing that you said earlier reminded me that this is an important point to make because I'm curious now whether the NFL will just kind of sit back and wait for stupid to land in their laps like they like they did yesterday. I mean, yeah. they really didn't have to get out the big-ass <laughs> right. Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass and go looking for evidence here. They had a third party that was aware of the fact that Calvin Ridley <laughs> Calvin Ridley, was betting on NFL games on his phone. It's, it's not the crime of the century for the NFL to have cracked this one. I want to know what kind of resources are being devoted to address something you said because it's an easy workaround it's an easy life hack i can't bet on my phone hey buddy hey pal yeah right. hey, lifelong friend right who i bought a car for after i got my first signing bonus yeah, right right you're gonna place my bets for me yeah and and i, I i'm i'm gonna cover your losses and when you win you're gonna give me the money and I'll cover your taxes, and we'll handle it all between us because we've known each other for 25 years. That, that's what I want to know whether or not the NFL is going to aggressively ferret out. And yeah. then, Chris, it goes beyond just betting on the game. There are so many different ways that the NFL can be compromised by the reality of legalized gambling. And the final section of Playmakers comes out a week from today, and this is not a gratuitous plug this is actually useful for a change usually Uh it's gratuitous i'll admit it i'll admit it every other time it's been gratuitous this time there's a reason for it the final section of the book is about the future of the game and i tried to brainstorm on all the different ways the nfl should be concerned about how gambling can affect the game and it's the injury reports the injury reports are crap they're useless they're worthless and the nfl will not do anything about it i've had someone from the front office say well you know we probably need to take a closer look at this entire system yes Because people hide injury information all the time, which means there is inside information if you are in a position to go get it. Tom Brady played all of the 2020 season with a torn MCL in his knee, and they never disclosed it once. Are you kidding me? And the league did nothing about it. Are you kidding me? So if you're going to bring this one-year suspension energy on Calvin Ridley because he did something really dumb – when he was not even part of the team, when he was in Florida on his own, and I don't know if he was having a few beers. I don't know what caused him to do something this stupid. Right. But if you're going to do it then, you better be carving off some of those hundreds of millions you're making off of gambling to make damn sure that everything else is in order. You can't just say, well, we periodically throw a head into the, into the town square yeah, yeah, to show right. people we mean business. Right. Well, there's all sorts of we, other we stuff going on We find this subject more, more integrity in the NFL than this subject. Uh, yeah, it's subjective. Yeah. I hear you. I think it's a great point, Mike. You're right. I mean, again, I, 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 I really, you know, I, I was wondering where you were going there with that for a minute, but – Right. How is how is that not, you know, reporting injuries, doing stuff like that, hiding injuries, whatever you might want to say, where teams are trying to get a competitive advantage. Yeah. How is that not insider information and yeah, taking advantage of the integrity of the game, which is kind of the rules. I hear what you're saying there. It creates very real and useful inside information. The question is, how is it being handled? And what is the NFL doing? to keep it from getting into the wrong hands or keeping people who work for teams from becoming corrupted by those relationships. What are you doing there? What are you doing there? Because that takes more work than having some third party tattle on Calvin Ridley because he happened to use the app and the information flowed to them. And they told the NFL, not that they did anything wrong by 
tattling on Calvin Ridley, they're probably contractually required to do it. Another example that a coach shared with me at one point is we were trying to brainstorm these different ideas. What if a guy scripts plays? Does Kyle script plays? I'm pretty sure, yes, he does. Okay, right. Okay, let's let's say he scripted the first 15 plays and he's yeah. written them on a whiteboard in a coach's meeting room. Right. Let's say whoever comes in to empty the trash can sees those plays. How do you prevent that person from looking at those plays and gleaning something that could be useful? Not for, you know, the 49ers minus five, but for a prop bet. Yeah, you first know, play, runner pass. On these first bets. play, exactly. runner pass, right, right. Or, 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 you know, over, under, the over, under, the starting running back, over, under of, uh, of uh, 55 yards in the game, and you see the first 15 plays. Holy crap, they're giving it to him eight times in the first 15 plays of the game. Hammer the over. I, 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 there are many opportunities for inside information within these organizations. What is the league doing to safeguard it? Because that's the thing. If you're going to start coming after the players, for doing something that you are pushing everyone to do, that is constantly in everyone's faces every time you turn on the TV, every time you pull up a website, and we're part of it. I, don't, I understand that, but my point is, if you're going to go after a guy who did something stupid and admitted to it and wasn't using inside information and wasn't trying to shave points and wasn't directly affecting the integrity of the game, what are you doing about all this other stuff where there's an opportunity there to take that information and use it in a corrupt way? Are you erecting the safeguards to prevent that from happening? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. And I think the answer is not yet. We know how the NFL operates. Yeah. They're never proactive. No, they're not going to do anything proactive. until it's a problem and they got to figure they're going to put a band-aid say, oh, over I it or something. We, yeah. I never envisioned that would be a problem. Well, right. okay, you didn't want to envision it would be a problem because you didn't want to have to do anything about it until you had to. Yeah, well, I mean, it's another one where, you know, we sky judge – whatever people to make sure to enforce the proper inflation of the football. This one where you might, maybe they have to have somebody in the building in all 32 buildings, you know, that's just basically monitoring that type of stuff. You're right. You know, monitoring the monitoring the action on maybe the player's phones through these, you know, sports betting apps. Maybe they can do that. I don't know what they do, but you're right. There's got to be some more safeguards because it's just going to pose more and more problems. It is. And yes, it's not that hard. You know, it's not that hard to get that inside information either. You know, I've had coaches tell me what their first play of their game is going to be. You know, hey, what are you, you going to run this week? Oh, hey, we're going to come out and do blah, 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 blah to start the game. You know, I mean, it, it's out there. It's just, you know, it, it's only going to take one jerk to, to kind of use that information the wrong way and, and really put a, a stranglehold on the NFL and put some pressure on them in this type of situation. So, yeah, we'll see if they're proactive here going forward. Uh, hopefully this is not a problem, and I certainly don't see players making this mistake a whole lot. But, you know, like you've said, it's just so easy and accessible right now. It's a little scary, and, and guys can just look at their phone and touch a button, and there you did. You placed a bet. It's easy. The Cardinals are going to have a sports book in their stadium this year. And eventually what's going to happen in every stadium and in every home is going to be once the technology is in place in the homes, it's clearly in place in the stadiums because you're there. Once the real-time images are being sent from the stadium to the homes, that's when play-by-play betting will mushroom. And that's when the gambling revenue will go up exponentially because it's going to be more than just placing a periodic bet. It's going to be every play if you want to put five bucks on run or pass. One of the things I know the NFL has considered, but I don't know how they're going to deal with it, who's got access to that information on the sidelines. And if there is basically in-game casino where, where while people are watching the game, during the 40 seconds between plays, they're locking in their bet on what the next play is going to be. Is the backup quarterback down there tugging his ear for a run and scratching his nose for a pass, signaling to his pal up in the stands? These are all things. When you go down this path of jumping into the waterbed with the sports books, and it's a, it's a, it's a sports book orgy when you got seven of them. You're getting paid by seven of them. So it started off as a tri-exclusive partnership with three companies. It's not exclusive as there's three. Then they add four more. They're, they're taking the money in order to, to let them use the shield. And again, in theory, that's fine. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But you take on an obligation to get your affairs and your house in order and not have these kinds of scandals. Because all it takes is one. Oh, uh, yeah. And you got Congress. You got Congress. Uh, you know, giving you the the uh, the uh, prostate exam. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Well, they they'll. I mean, let's let's be real here. Let's. Uh, I have a question, Doctor Florio. 
Let's be real. Let's maybe we should put the rubber glove on a little bit here and pull it on there a little tighter, okay? Because I don't think they make them big enough for your they, hand. They I might you, not. I think you have they to. They might not. Have I think to, you. I, but that finger is big in, enough. You we'll put your hand we'll, in like a. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get Never one on ahead. the finger, okay? Either way. But, like, here we go. Now back to hypocrisyvillenfl.com here, okay? Here we go. Is this egregious? As an owner telling a, t- a head coach, I'll pay you $100,000 to lose a game? I mean, come on. I mean, this is where, to me, the NFL has the issue. You know, we haven't even gotten to this. We got an owner, and we got people that are witnesses that offered a coach to lose games, a $100,000 prize every time he loses. And now we're going we're gonna to suspend the player again. Again, players, like to your point, where they're always investigated and everything's – you know, and then when it comes to the owners, it's just, ah, we're not going to investigate that. It's not a big deal. Who cares? We're the owners. Don't do that to us. We're oligarchs. How dare you investigate us? The investigations of our peasants. I mean, what? How are they going to handle that? Because that's way worse than the $1,500 Calvin Ridley bet. I mean, come on. And that's the, that's the next move I want to see from the NFL is where they go with that, that conversation. Young Jedi, your training is complete. I, <laughs> I was wondering if you would – come to that conclusion but i am disappointed because it was the headline story on pft for about eight hours last night which tells me you weren't reading the website but we have written about it we have thought about it but but you're right you're right look calvin ridley includes the falcons in some parlays and picks them to win and there's no evidence that he's got any influence whatsoever over the game at all he's in florida on the non-football illness list right stephen ross owns the team stephen ross wants to lose stephen ross offers six figures per loss to Brian Flores. These are all allegations. I know. I know they have to prove it. Are they going to go after this the way that they went after Calvin Ridley? Are they going to punish Stephen Ross in a commensurate way? If this is true, and I think this has been universally accepted, I haven't heard much pushback against this, he's got to sell the team if this is true. Now, the problem for the NFL is, and see, this is what happens when everything you do is driven by PR. Everything they do is driven by PR. How are people going to react to this situation? You know, the personal conduct policy, it's all PR. And this gambling stuff, I understand the integrity of the game is implicated. But if you catch one of your owners doing something like this, you have to ask yourself, if we make a big deal out of this, what's going to happen? Yeah, right. What, what are the consequences? Right. Is this going to be the scandal that gets Congress to create a federal agency that has oversight of our business? And tries to tell us how to run our business and, and sends people in to inspect and, and looks at all sorts of stuff we don't want them looking at. Not that we know there's anything in there that's wrong, but, you know, you get somebody's in there. They justify their existence by finding something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, even if you didn't realize it. That's what the NFL is trying to avoid. They need to set that aside, though, and do a fair investigation. You've got, you've got Brian Flores alleging that this offer was made. You've got an unnamed witness, as reported by NFL Network, partially owned by Stephen Ross himself, that heard this. And I've heard too many times now this idea that Ross is going to say he was joking to make me think that oh, the old $100,000 lose a game joke. Oh, that silly guy. Oh, man, he's funny. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, if you're going to throw Ridley out of the league for a year and take away his only source of sports-related income or significant compensation, $11 million gone, delayed for a year, assuming the, that the Falcons even keep him when he yeah, comes back. Right. You know, they're going to, they force Stephen Ross to sell his team. He's going to walk away between 4 and $5 billion, and he's still got his real estate company. Yeah. Now, he's still, he's still going to be prosecuted under the Sports Betting Act. He could still be prosecuted, and that would have some real consequences, but – but, yeah, what's the NFL going to do about Ross if they're going to so quickly and decisively throw the book at Calvin Ridley? That's a fair question. And it's funny because some Dolphins fans, I raise that point, and Dolphins fans are like, oh, I'm surprised you hate the Dolphins. It's like, dude, you probably should want a different owner at this point. I mean, I, I think you should get on board with me. Look at the past decade. Probably a good idea for you to be jostling for change. And that gets back to the point we've been making for the past month or so. All that you need to be an owner of an NFL team is enough money to buy one. There's no test you have to take. There's no requirement you know the game. There's no obligation to be a good steward. You just need to have the money. And, uh, you know, maybe that when this is all said and done, 
the NFL and Stephen Ross are looking for someone with enough money to buy the team from him. If they do, a fair and complete investigation. I don't want to prejudge it, but yep. there's enough smoke out there to make me wonder if there's a fire burning at the bottom of the Brian Flores allegations. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, just again, I just I, as an ex-player and a guy that's been involved in the NFL, it's just what I don't like. It's just the players are policed harder. You know, they do. I mean, they need to police these owners through this whole thing just as much. The owners got big mouths. They talk to their other rich friends and, hey, this guy's hurt and this guy's going to play this week more than that guy. I mean, they, they, there's probably more spreading of inside information from that group than anybody. Now that, that's, that's definitely an issue here. And the other part I don't like about this with Calvin Ridley specifically, again, yes, the punishment's too harsh in my opinion. Totally too harsh. Listen, if we found out he was betting every week and big money and it started to look like, hey, you know, maybe he did know things about, you know, certain games or whatever and it was real action, okay, suspend him for a year, suspend him for two years, I don't care. But stupid bets like these, $1,500, you know, not even in the team facility on a daily basis, not even there at all, not around, I mean, come on, that's where it's too harsh. And then add on top of that a guy that, had a tough year with mental mental health and issues there. And now, again, this is something I know we've talked about a lot that I, I don't like in the NFL. Well, you got mental health issues. Hey, uh, get away from all the peers and people that are going to help you. We're going to kick you away from your lifeline of, of coaches and friends' support and make you feel even more excluded from society and give you more issues. I, that's the other aspect, I think, and I always have a little bit of a compassionate, compassionate place in my heart for these guys when this happens because it, it's tough. Let's be clear, though. This wasn't like a suspension where he was told I know. to go away. I, know. I think that, that he needed to go he away. He needed to but, go away. But, right, right. But, but again, if we're going to truly care about mental health of athletes, it's not just lip service. There are occasions where we have to take a step back and we have to ask ourselves, and this gets back to my original point. What would motivate him to do something this stupid? And can we, can we confidently conclude that he was of sound mind when he did something this stupid? The mere fact that he would throw away $11 million in salary next year by getting a little action because, you know, hey, guys are competitive. Yeah. Right? You don't get to the NFL by not being intensely competitive. So that competitive aspect of his life has been removed. And, hey, this is a way to have a little action, to get a little dopamine flowing, to, to pit myself again. Hey, what, which teams do I think is going to win? You know, I, and, again, he, he, he should have known he shouldn't have done it. But my point is this. If we're going to care about mental health, if we're going to have an understanding of why people would do things, it would be self-destructive. This law and order, I keep thinking about the Time magazine cover from 10 years ago with Roger Goodell, the enforcer. Just enforcing for the sake of enforcing so you look like a tough guy. I'm not sure that's the right approach. And hopefully they will show this guy some compassion and give him a break. I'm not saying give him the benefit of the doubt he did something stupid, but let's understand why he did something stupid. And let's understand why this happened. And let's look at the bigger picture. As we've said, it did not compromise the integrity of the game if this guy's detached from his team and he's betting a a parlay and he's not using any inside information, and he's not actively involved in the game, and he's not doing anything to corrupt the game directly, that's where I think that maybe, yeah, maybe common sense. we need Come to on. have a little flexibility. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, go ahead. What were we going to ask? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I got a question uh, for you when you're done. Well, you I, I was going to take it a little bit to, like, we haven't even hit on the, fa- the, the fact of, like, what a blow this is to the Falcons. I was going to kind of just take it to the field for a second, Mike, just a little bit there, if you don't mind. Go ahead. You know, go just ahead. in the fact of, I mean, here we are, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, it's a big blow to their football team. Yeah, you didn't have them last year. Arthur Smith's, you know, inaugural season head coach. You don't have one of your best players because he has his, you know, some personal issues. He's got to step away from the game. But this is a guy that's a superstar, a budding superstar, just waiting to break out. I mean, we see what he did in the 2020 season, you know, and here he is, you know, not going to be able to play or even worse – Maybe if Atlanta was thinking maybe we should move on or do something like that, they can't even trade him now. You know, so it's a huge blow to the Falcons organization whether they were going to keep him or trade him. Now that you know, if they're going to keep him, yeah, now you don't have one of the more talented receivers in football on your team to go along with Pitts and Matt Ryan, who's coming down the home stretch of his career. But even if you were going to move on, I mean, he was going to command some big time assets. 
You know, you're going to get a first-round pick and then some for somebody like Calvin Ridley. And that's, that's you know, a big blow to a team that's kind of in trans- transition right now down there. There was a report yesterday that the Falcons turned down trade inquiries for Calvin Ridley because of the investigation. Yeah. And, you know, on the surface, oh, boy, well, those Falcons, they're doing things the right way. Well, two things. First of all, all you got to do is make a call to the league office, and they're going to tell you. Now, some yeah, teams right. don't make that call, and shame on Shockingly, them. Secondly, right. If the Falcons would have done that, if the Falcons would have traded him knowing that he was facing the suspension and the team to which they were trading him didn't think to call the league office. The NFL would step in, right? Well, I'm just saying the Falcons can never do business with anyone again. You're right. Nobody would trust them ever again. They're doing the right thing for their own best interest because if you pull a (laughs) scam like that, you aren't pulling off any more trades in the future. You're making a lifetime enemy in Terry Fontenot can forget about getting hired by someone else when his job in Atlanta ends, and it someday will. That's how it goes. So let's let's not act like the Falcons are going to be right next to Mother Teresa over the fact that they didn't that they didn't engage in these trade talks. They they couldn't have tra- if they would have traded him without telling the other team. If the other team did it unwittingly, that would have been a horrific outcome for the Falcons and for the individuals involved in what, that what, trade. It would have been a permanent scar on them moving forward. Well, we, no no doubt no doubt. Well, what's what's like social media been saying? Like, we, we, you want to put out a, a a tweet asking what they think's uh, a fair suspension, eight games, maybe, sixteen games, maybe. something like that. I mean, that to me, yeah. Again, I, I don't know. Is you got, you, you got the you got the law and order. You got the law and order crowd that thinks he should never play ever again, and there's no nuance to it. You you gamble on football and you're shut down. And I understand there's a bright line there. I just think that the circumstances of Ridley's case, and the NFL's broader circumstances of making 270 million this past year off of gambling and expecting to make a billion a year by the end of the decade, that just that muddies the waters a little bit. That introduces this concept of hypocrisy and. I always advocate a more nuanced view of everything. This whole black and white and right and wrong and there is no gray. There's plenty of gray. Life happens in that gray. Life would be a hell of a lot easier if everything was black and white. And people try to make too many things black and white. Life is not that complicated. And it's okay. It's okay to have to stop and think about something. I think some people just don't want to stop and think. It's like, oh, yeah, well, oh, oh, I got suspended for a year. No, it was a gambling. Just, okay, fine. I move on. Move on to my next issue that I'm going to think about. Yeah, no, make a judgment really think and about. move on. Right. Make a judgment. That guy's an idiot and move on. And then, yes, and where's my next Got what idiot? he deserved. I know. Got that's, what that's he deserved. The next man up. Right yep. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, here's my question for you. Do you think that professional football players can currently wager on – the college basketball tournament. Is that permissible on their DraftKings app or FanDuel or whatever they points bet, whatever they have on their phone? Is it mm. permissible for NFL players right now sitting at home, off season, college basketball coming to a head, are they allowed to, to wager without restriction on these games? I, I mean, I, if I was playing, I'd be scared to. I don't think you're, al- I don't think you're allowed to. I, in fact, I don't know the exact rule with that. Now, are guys going to be taking, you know – you know, taking part in like let's let's see you know I got a group of twenty friends and we're all putting twenty dollars or a hundred dollars in to see who has the to see who has the best bracket yes yes but you know again I don't think that's something there that I'm talking about but, I'm talking about I'm talking about Kansas minus yeah. five yeah I don't think the, so in the Big Twelve championship I don't I think okay. there's very few people like that I really do I will say this Mike in my eight year career in the NFL I came across. I'm going to legit, like I'm being totally honest here now, like two or three guys in my whole career who I know like to gamble and they would gamble on off-season sports, right? I don't even know how they went about it, but they were going to gamble on NBA and college basketball and do some of that. That was all the guys I knew throughout my eight years of career. There was two or three guys that, and they were all on the same team and together and enjoyed doing it together and, you know, talking about it. I never really saw it in the locker room go on any other time other than that. Okay. Now, yeah. when you played, it wasn't legal. No, right. Except in Nevada. Right. And, and, and I'm going to read from what the NFL sent me yesterday when I was trying to get some information. What's the policy? What's the rule? What's the penalty? And I didn't even notice this yesterday. I didn't notice it until this morning. I had a DM from Zach Krantz, who co-hosts Joe Rose's show on – WQAM in Miami, and it was like, holy crap, I missed this because I just assumed, like you did, that all wagering on sports is prohibited. Here's 
as it relates to football. All NFL personnel are prohibited from placing, soliciting, or facilitating any bet, whether directly or through a third party, on any NFL game, practice, or other event. This includes betting on game outcomes, statistics, score, performance, or any individual participant or any other kind of prop bet. Okay, fine. That's for football. We know that. We already know that. Here's, here's, the, here's what I missed. All NFL personnel other than players, other than players, all NFL personnel other than players are prohibited from placing, soliciting, or facilitating bets on any other professional, college, international, or Olympic sports competition, such as NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, USTA. What the hell is that? MLS, NCAA basketball, uh, World Baseball Classic, World Cup, etc. It doesn't specifically mention college football, but I think college football is implied in this. I think so. And USTA but, is tennis, just so you know. But here's – wow, very impressive. But, Bjornborg, the key <laughs> words at the start are all NFL personnel other yeah. than players. Right. So, so – and, and I, I'm, I will fully admit when I screw up, I just missed it because I assumed there's no way they let these guys bet on other sports. It's the gateway drug, right? It's the marijuana of sports betting. Right. Eventually – because even if you don't eventually bet on football – this is the kind of behavior that eventually gets you to have a problem with the guy with the gold chains and the one eyebrow, right? Where, <laughs> where right. you got you, you you're right. indebted, you got to provide him information, and you're, right. you're never betting on football. But but Vinny wants to don't know. Don't mess with Joey Vinny with the gold chains and the, the frosted yeah. tips. That's right. Yeah. Don't mess with him. Vinny, Vinny <laughs> wants to know whether or not Tom Brady has a torn MCL in his knee. Right. So uh, I, I'm surprised by this. And I've, I've sent the NFL an email this morning asking for some explanation as to why they allow it. And it is funny that it flat out doesn't mean it says college, but says, for example, NCAA basketball. It doesn't say NCAA football, but the way this thing is worded, it doesn't prohibit betting on NCAA football. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that because I think it's fair to expect NFL players and all pro athletes to not bet on any pro sports, any, even the one you're involved in, because of where it can lead if you get yourself into a gambling problem. Uh, th- I, that's where, I mean, I would agree. Again, a lot of these guys still know people from the college program, right? That's where I think you can get in trouble. A lot of these guys, this it's a small world in the sports world, know, have friends in the NBA that they directly text and whatever on a daily basis. That's where I would have thought, like, it's, it'd be a little bit trouble. But I guess at the same time, you go, okay, they're not gambling on the sport. They're involved. You know, there's, it's it's free enterprise, I guess, to a degree, and that's where the NFL looks at it. But, yeah, I think they are playing with fire, to your point. No question about yeah. it. I, I'm just stunned. And, again, yeah. you know, they sent me the email. I took the language and copy-paste snarky comment. I, I missed the opportunity for some snarky-ass comments. How dare about you? The, You're slipping. The ability of Too many players days off to actually lately. wager <laughs> on these other sports. Actually, I need a few more, especially if you – Yeah, you, you know, you never know where the next curveball is going to come from. And, you know, a month ago – Tom Brady retires, and we're focused on that. And then, boom, here comes the Brian Flores litigation. And then now we're on the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers watch. watch. We're right. waiting for the, the white puff of smoke from the chimney at the Vatican. And, uh, and here comes this Calvin Ridley thing. I know. It's, just, it's, it's, it's stunning to me what, uh, what happened yesterday. And, and, you know, I think you're on to something with the idea that you make it a Monday afternoon bad news declaration because it's a warning shot to all other players because they know they can't police all other players that the only guys they're ever going to easily catch are the calvin ridley's but i would say for every calvin ridley there's there's 20 guys 15 guys 10 guys who are smart enough to know that that they'll just work through a friend just work through a friend. Right. That's all you got to do. Yep. Just work through a friend. It's like it's like fi- finding someone to buy you beer when you were 16 years old. There's always a way to crack the code and get the beer. If you want to bet on football and you're an NFL player, there's a way to find a friend who will place the bet for you, and it's going to be very difficult for the NFL to figure it out, and I'm not sure they're going to put the resources into it to have a safety net where they can catch those that do indeed happen. So, uh, I, I, Chris – Look, I don't know how many guys have gambled over the years, but there's no way in hell it's only five. There's right, no way it's right. only five who have bet on football in the history of the sport. That in and of itself is laughable. It's five. You've caught five. Well, you've had five fall into your laps. Then I, I don't 
remember the circumstances. I wasn't alive for the for the circumstances of Karis and Horning, and I've never really researched that to find out how they got caught. Schleitzer, by all appearances, he was you know he was he, he just was had such a problem. It was right. It was it was impossible to not know it. But now that it's legalized and you've got these apps where the bets can be placed, and I suspect that's how they got Josh Shaw. It's just easy. It falls into your lap. And that's really the overriding point that we want folks to take away from this. Will the same energy be brought to the violations that will be harder to detect? Or will the NFL choose to do the easy thing, the cheaper thing, and look the other way? All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, it's Franchise Tag Day. The deadline is coming at 4 p.m. Eastern. Who else is going to receive the honor? of being a franchise player. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. All right, there are the three tags that have been applied. I think for David Njoku of the Browns and Jesse Bates of the Bengals, it's official. For Orlando Brown Jr., it's still reported. I'm not sure of that, though. The deadline, though, it's I am happen, sure is 4 though. p.m. Eastern Day. The Chiefs did announce it. Thank you, Pete. So all three of those are indeed official. Last year, there were 10. So far, three. Uh, look, we're going to have Devontae Adams today. I'd be stunned if they do a long-term a hundred percent right for the deadline. And, and Devontae Adams needs to learn from his mistake from four years ago. Four years ago, he was done with his rookie contract. The season was over, and he signed a long-term deal. Wait at that point. Right. You no longer have any risk at that point. Force them to use the franchise tag because if they use it once, then when that contract ends, if they use it the next time, that's twice. Obviously, I'm very good at math. But after two, they're never going to use it again. So if Devontae Adams had forced them to tag him four years ago and they'd be tagging him now upon expiration of this contract, he'd be one year to unrestricted and unfettered free agency because you're not going to get tagged that third time. So that's really the one that uh, is fascinating to me, not Adams, the other receiver, Chris Godwin, the Buccaneers. Right. They're looking at potentially tagging him, and usually that's bad news. But, Chris, for Godwin, it's good news because it means, number one, that torn ACL must be healing or they wouldn't be thinking about 19000000 million-plus on a one-year tender because it's a 20% raise over last year. Other teams must be interested or they wouldn't be doing it. And this is tag number two. Next year, he's free and clear. They're not right. going to tag him a third time. So there's a silver lining in this for Chris Godwin. Yeah, I, I think they look at it, though, like, wait, we, we don't, we're not exactly sure what's going on with Gronk. Antonio Brown's not there. Yeah, we got some young guys coming up the ranks, but we don't know exactly what they're going to be yet. Uh, Godwin, what was that injury in the New Orleans Saints? Somewhere in, like, week 10-ish, week right? Week 15. It was week that 15. late. Okay. He All had right. surgery January 4th. So that tells you even more, I think, the fact that they think things are going in the right direction. You're right. And, again, you know, ACLs this day and age, I mean, I think a lot of teams look at them and go, it's a five- or six-month injury. And you can get back on the field and be, like, practicing. Maybe not 100%, but you're going in the right direction. And I think that's what they look at it. The Bucks again, I know, like, we've all forgotten about them because Tom Brady's not there anymore. They are still one of the most talented teams in football, if not the most talented team. So they're not going to break this band up very easily. And, yeah, they're, they're going to – whoever's going to play quarterback, they want to make sure they're surrounded by some talent next year. The – OBJ ACL took 11 months from when he tore it to when he was cleared to play again. So it does it. We've, we've been spoiled by the Adrian Peterson turnaround from a decade ago, but also for the most part, guys are recovering from these torn ACLs, but the Buccaneers wouldn't be doing this now two months removed from surgery. If they didn't think that everything was on track for him to play this year, it's $19 million in cash and cap space. And if I'm Chris Godwin, I'm not agreeing to a long-term deal. I'm not doing it because next year I'm a free agent. I'll take the $19 million. I'll take the injury risk. I'll yeah. buy myself yeah. a, an insurance policy against a career-ending injury, and I'll, I'll be confident in the fact that next year I get to go wherever I want to go. You know, it works better for a quarterback, a quarterback who's a pocket passer like Kirk Cousins, to continue to carry the injury risk and force your way to the market 
But for Godwin, who wasn't a first-round pick, so he only needs his original four years plus two more, six years in, you get to market. And he's one year away from it if they tag him. So uh, that very well may be what happens. All right, who else may get tagged? We talked about Devontae Adams. It, it's a no-brainer. No-brainer. going to do it. No, no way. Brainer. Right. How about the Cowboys? They're not going to tag defensive end Randy Gregory. They may tag tight end Dalton Schultz. That surprised me. Now, now I know they got cap issues, but if you're going to cut Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know Gregory's shown that he can play. You're going to let him walk away? He's going to be in demand. This is a good time to be a free agent if you're a pass rusher. There's going to be teams out there that are going to pay Randy Gregory if he hits the open market. Yeah, they are, but are they going to pay him, like, that kind of money? That's where I'd I'd have a hard time thinking it's going to be that. I mean, he deserves to be paid to to a degree. I mean, you're right. He is a physical force on the edge. He's talented. He moves well. He's had, you know, a checkered – Checkered history as far as things being on and off the field, dealing with the substance abuse program, all of that. So he hasn't necessarily been reliable. I don't think he's talented enough to where you throw the franchise tag at him. I don't. You know, so so I'm not shocked by that. But I would think, yes, the fact that they're talking about, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, maybe cut, restructure contract, that they're doing their damnedest to try to sign him something, you know, affordable. And I would think that's the kind of thing, Mike, too, with Randy Gregory. There's a little bit of a hometown discount. I would. The Cowboys have been more than fair to him as far as being patient. They took a chance on him in the draft when there was questions about him already coming out of Nebraska. So uh, I could see them wiggling something out there, you know, behind the scenes. You know, the Dalton Schultz one, that's, that is interesting. He's a really good football player. He's kind of just arriving on the scene. Is he worth a franchise tag? I'm not sure I, I believe that yet either. So I, those are ones the Cowboys. I, I got to see it to believe it. I don't think they're going to do anything there. Well, um, you're probably right, but again, the position is so important. Where are you going to get your pass rush from? And at some point, you just got to bite the bullet. But, but they, maybe they learned from their mistake with Demarcus Lawrence. Not they got they got good production out of him, but they paid him a long term deal. Yeah, when he was tagged, and now they're 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 uh, ready to get out from under it. And that's part of what happens sometimes too. And that's something to remember as we get closer to free agency. These five six year deals with these big numbers, a lot of them are two or three year deals. Sometimes right. it's just a one-year deal if it doesn't That's really work all out. it is, right. Other guys who very likely will be tagged, Mike Williams, the Chargers receiver. I think there's been some reporting that that could happen. The Dolphins potentially could tag tight end Mike Gesicki. I the Saints that. have left tackle Teron Armstead. Really? Uh, you think that? Market. I, don't, I wonder if that'll happen with Teron Armstead. Been injured, you know, getting a little up there in years. The Saints with and all they got the cap issues. Exactly. That's that's one where, and I would think he's gonna he's gonna command top of the market kind of dollars to where I just don't know if they can afford that. That that that'll be an interesting one there. Thirty one in July. Pete tells in my tells me in my ear, you know. But you know the names you listed so far: Devontae Adams, Mike Williams. I mean, again for receivers, the current status of the NFL. You got Justin Herbert. You know, I, I I probably wouldn't let him out the door if I'm the Chargers either. I'm franchising and trying to work on a long-term deal. Mike Kosicki is a guy that's going to command top dollar out there in the tight end market. And he is Tua's second best friend in the world other than Jalen Waddell. I could see that happening down there in Miami too, and they have a ton of cap room. Kosicki's a difference maker in the pass game, so I could see that going on, Mike. Sorry, uh, I know we got more names on the list here. Chandler Jones, mm. there was a report over the weekend that the Cardinals aren't expected to tag him. Now, because of his cap number from last year, 20% raise, you know, if, if your cap number plus a 20% raise is greater than the base franchise tag, you get that higher number. $24.192 million would be his one-year salary and one-year cap number. That's a lot. And 29, they you reportedly, said? 24.19. 24.19. Gotcha. They're yeah, reportedly not going to tag him and let him hit the open market. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, a really good football player who certainly has value, but it's 32 years old, right? And, yes, there's been, you know, had the injuries this year. They got some young talent coming up the pipeline that they're going to have to pay here soon. Uh, I would think that'd be one. No, you don't franchise tag Chandler Jones. You hope to work out some sort of long-term deal, or maybe you got to let him walk. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that. And he had five sacks. Remember in Week One, right, of last year. He had five and a half the rest of the year. 
And, and I know that sacks aren't a clear indicator of how disruptive a defensive end is being. There's a lot of outcomes where you're close missed to the a action. Missed a number of games, too. Get a sack, but, yeah. but he missed a few games. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that, that, hey, they got bigger fish to fry right now with Kyler Murray. J.C. Jackson, the Patriots reportedly aren't going to tag him. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah. That one still surprises me. Me, too. Because when they, when they released Stephon Gilmore, right. did they release him or trade him? They traded they him. They traded him, right? right? Remember, they yeah. put him on. He was, they did the, was we're going to release him. Right. I yeah. don't know what they we're did. We're going to release him. him. Yeah. They, they <laughs> right. do the whole, hey, we're going to release him at 8 a.m. And by right. 4 p.m., they have a trade in place. That's what they did. I thought that they were, they were going to keep J.C. Jackson. But, uh, you know, he's going to get guys, guys who are talented and become available, get paid. There's always a team out there that sees it as a good business move to go out and spend that money. they got to spend it anyway. Let's go get a star player. I always say the caveat is if the team that knows this guy better than anyone else doesn't want to keep him, that should be in and of itself a red flag. That if they're not doing everything they can to keep J.C. Jackson, that should concern you. But that nuance is is often lost on teams that just want to Go out and have that. Oh, we got J.C. Jackson in free agency. Yeah, right. Now we're going to be good. Right. Yeah, and even we know Bill. Bill drives a hard bargain up there in New England. He's got a number in his head what he thinks you're worth, and if you exceed that by seven cents, he's not going to pay you. Uh, that's just the way it is. So they're, they're gambling there. I'm a little surprised by that one too. I mean, we know how important that position is to that defense. Nobody, nobody puts their corners in more pressure situations or ask them to do more creative things than the New England Patriots. Uh, but, yeah, I, maybe they realize or, or just feel like J.C. Jackson's going to demand too much. And I think you kind of said it either in one of the articles last week or maybe even said it yesterday. Maybe they're just going to let him see the market first and let him gauge it and then try to jump in the party there. But, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised too. I thought they would franchise tag him and try to work something out. Uh, J.C. Jackson, I think, is a really, really good football player, and I think he's going to get paid top dollar. This is where the two-day window for negotiating before free agency actually begins has value for the current team because the current team gets an idea of what really is out there. One thing I have learned since they started doing the two-day window, and it opens at noon Eastern on Monday the 13th of March, it has been beneficial in that teams don't tamper as as completely as they used to. At the Combine, it's more about lining up who's going to be in play. The numbers are held until we get to the 48-hour window. That's when the numbers start to get put on the table. That's when the current team can say, okay, okay, now I know what the market is going to bear for my guy. I can swoop in and get this deal done. But you've got to move quickly. That's one of the things that drives agents crazy during that 48-hour window. The minute it starts, the teams have their list. They got their top priority at defensive end. Then they got number two. Then they got number three. Then they got number four. So they go to number one, and they make the call, and they say, here's our offer. We need to know ASAFP if you're going to take it, because if not, we're moving on to number two. So uh, it, it gets crazy, but, but it very well could be that J.C. Jackson gets an offer next Monday that – lands in a spot where he knows the Patriots will pay him exactly. and he'll just stay in New England. Potentially. Right. Potentially. Right. I'm not saying it's definitely yeah. going to happen, but it could happen. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. You're, you're right. It does seem like there's a, you know, a little more wiggle room there with the current way that everything's set up. Uh, hey, other thing, I just want to – like, we have Jesse Bates in Cincinnati, right? I mean, is that official? Did they make that official yet? Yes. They did. Yes. That's a no-brainer, right? I think we both agree there. You know, even though he didn't even play his best football this year, and he even said that himself, he was worried about the contract, he's still one of the best safeties in the game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And we saw he's a difference maker, whether it's the first play against the Tennessee Titans or an interception in the Super Bowl down in the end zone. How about David Njoku? I think that's the one that surprised a lot of people out there in the football world. Absolutely. Fans, right? Because well, yeah. what do you do with Austin Hooper? You're going to have two high-end tight ends on that team? That, that's, that, it is interesting. But jo Njoku, in my opinion, has greater potential than Austin Hooper. And I think that's why they're probably doing this. They're going, wait, we don't really have that many great receivers here in Cleveland. And Njoku, I think they probably look at it and go, wait, we've kind of screwed it up and not given them the ball enough. And he's, a, he's got difference-making talent. That's the one thing I can say about Njoku. You know, the stats, yeah, they don't pop off the screen at you. But he's a real good run blocker. And he is like a freak athlete in the pass game. And they need to get him the ball more. And I think, he, you know, ultimately he's one of the few guys on that offense outside the running backs that can do some things 
physically by himself. He can catch a ball 10 yards over the middle and run for an 80-yard touchdown. And I believe he did that against the Chargers earlier this year. He's that type of talent. I don't think you let that kind of guy, you know, out the door right now with the current status of their team. And tight end's important in in Cleveland because we know they want to run the ball and do play actions and and boots and all of that. In his second season, he had a career-high 639 yards on 56 catches with four touchdowns. Last year, appearing in 16 games with 11 starts, 475 receiving yards, 36 catches, and four touchdowns. These are not high-end tight end no. numbers. Nope. But uh, the the other thing to keep in mind too, sometimes that you know the, there's a disconnect between the franchise tag and the current top of the market because right. what they did, I think ten years ago, they changed the formula for the franchise tag. It's no longer the average of the five highest paid players at your position from the prior year. It's a five year average of the percentage that the five highest paid players at the position consumed under the cap. So it's tied to the cap. It's a percentage of the cap. Uh, and this year the cap went up. The cap went up $25 million, So it did give those salary cap numbers a little lift. But it's, it's not as simple as saying, let's look at the five highest paid tight ends, and that's what you're going to get. And sometimes, yeah. like, for example, at receiver, you know, $19 million for Chris Goblin on a second tag with a 20% bump over what he made last year. Uh, that's not horrible below the high end of the market. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Right. We were talking yesterday, Devonte Adams. I mean, we're talking 24, $25 million a year. Probably when we talk about those numbers. So you're right that 10.9 for a guy that's got kind of superstar potential at tight end. I, I think that's a no brainer. And I think that's probably the way they look at it to go away. You know? Yeah. It's not like you're breaking the bank and having to pay the guy 16, $18 million a year. 10.9 with the current status of the salary cap, like you're saying, is a drop in the bucket for a guy that's got Pro Bowl potential, game-breaking potential, and I'm sure that's kind of how Cleveland looks at it with Njoku. The other thing to remember, too, is players who are franchise-tagged can be traded. That happens from time to time. Tag and trade, you get value. It gets a little dicey because there's language in the CBA that suggests you can't do it just to trade him. You have to tag him with a good-faith desire to employ him under the terms of that tag for the coming year but it happens guys get tagged and guys get traded we were talking yesterday about the possibility Devontae Adams gets tagged and gets included in the Aaron Rodgers trade package to Denver if that's what happens and that would be awesome if it happens that would be great (laughs) and that's a possibility it's entirely possible It, it can't happen obviously until next Wednesday when the new league year begins but Aaron Rodgers can't be traded until then anyway so he could be part of that package um speaking of aaron Rodgers, let's go ahead and take a break we're getting closer and closer to i think an answer from aaron Rodgers. many are suggesting it could happen today we'll prepare you or uh otherwise for whatever may happen when aaron Rodgers makes a decision if a decision comes today we'll do that next year on pft live Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 